Well, we are very excited this morning to have a very special um, guest, and really, she has become a quick member of our family, and I would say she is our adopted uh, missionary, but really, I want to say you're, she's just our missionary. She's not even adopted. We, You're already just in, you know? She she went there real quick, and so we are so blessed to have JoLynn, and um, you are in Guatemala, correct? And um, and she's going to give more information about where you're located and everything like that. But she has been doing missions for a little bit, a little bit of time. And um, and so if you haven't read her book, you have to read her book. We all have different copies in the house. So if you if you want to read it, you should, because the testimonies that she gives to it will just change your life. I mean, truly change your life. And um, and so we're so blessed to have her in our midst and even have it as a relative of our precious member of our, our congregation, Peggy. And so um, let's give a warm Orient welcome to JoLynn. for 28 years, and um, I've been here, there, and everywhere, and I actually started in Guatemala, but on the West Coast, and now I'm in the Paten, and if anybody knows their geography, that's the panhandle of Guatemala, and the Paten is 45% of the entire country, and um, and I will say that there are gods and gods of churches, but the Patan does not have the word. They have churches, they have uh, religion mixed with their their cultural idolatry and so forth. But they do not have the word. Wow. The uncompromised word of God and the spirit of God moving across the Patan, and that's what we're here to change. Ooh, so, hallelujah. Um, yeah. So I, I don't have some. Oh, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. That was crazy. But that's what tips up. Yeah. So if, um, it, if it moves, don't worry, I'll still take a picture. Let us go back and forth. Yeah. Like, yeah. Sway in and let in the spirit. That's how you know, it's time to do it. Like, <laughs> you know, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. I mean, it really is. And many times, even here in this life, um, in, in, at home, there's often times when we need the joy of the Lord to get us through the day. Yeah. But I can assure you that definitely on a foreign field and a uh, difficult, primitive surrounding culture, you need the joy of the Lord. Yeah. And sometimes you just have to laugh in the face of all adversity. And as my friend has a, a thing that is, I've read every single picture of it and say, if you have a new house, 
One of them is like, she laughed in the face of adversity, you know, basically to make it that she cried. She would get a headache and, and her makeup would run. But yes, um, it actually is, you laugh to keep from crying. And then all of a sudden you're laughing and you realize strength comes on you and you just feel like you're just So just like after Candy said, um, you you know you're going to speak and you're like, okay, Lord, I have three messages. Which one of those do you want me to preach? <laughs> Seriously, you're like, okay, Lord, what do you want? What do you have for this congregation? And um, the Lord <clears throat> spoke this to me, and I thought, oh, okay, well, I know um, it's the only book that this one lady who's married to my heart ever wrote. So I got this book and I downloaded it and I'm thinking, it's a pretty strong book. I'm like, but you gave me that title. Really? The title? <laughs> so what the Lord gave me is when I said, Lord, what do you, what do you want me to preach? He said, the price is not greater than God's grace. Whoa. Now let me repeat that one more time. The price is not greater in God's grace. So, um, what, what I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I'm just going to say, yes, go for it. I don't want to have to chase it all over the place or turn around and it, you know, beat me in the face. Um, but, some of you here have read my book. Let's see a show of hands. Who here has read my book? All right, then. Even my, my third cousin, no. Um, so, because you read this book, then then some of you know um, what some of the things I'm going to share. But almost 40 years ago, in a tire swing in my front yard of the house on Holmby Road in Grove City. Oh, I'm in Greytown, okay? I was born in well, I wasn't born in Grove City, but I was raised in Grove City, graduated from Grove City High School. Huh. And so on Holmby Road, in a tire swing, it was late one Friday night of my 16th year in, in the summertime. I'm out there just swinging and I'm looking up at the stars and I just talked to the Lord. So I was born and raised in church. I think I got my, my teeth on the keys. And so I don't realize, I said, Sherry Boston, I don't know any other way. My testimony is God saved me and He kept me. Or my testimony is I have a testimony that I have a testimony, <laughs> however you want to say. Does that mean I was always perfect? No. Actually, I never was. <laughs> well, that takes the pressure off. Um, but I just don't know any other life. And so my, I knew from a young age, my mom said she would catch me preaching to the wooden chairs back on, on Sunday, Saturday afternoons when I was supposed to be cleaning the church with them, you know. I would clean the chairs and then I'm preaching to them. And then, I don't know where I got this from because I never saw this in church, the church that I grew up in. I'm going and I'm laying hands on my be healed, be healed, and I'm knocking the chairs over. I love it. And, and my mom's like peeking in. She's like, what did she have on me? I don't know. But my mom knew at an early age I definitely was going to have to follow my life. And in the church that I grew up in, I'm thinking, well, the only, you know, because women aren't supposed to pastor. And um, so apparently whatever this call that I get in my life is going to be whatever my husband is. But guess what? I just turned 56 and I'm not married. Never have been. 
So apparently it's not whatever my husband is. <laughs> God said, no, actually one year, because I'm waiting and waiting for God, man, to come into my life so I can enter this ministry that he has for me. And God said, um, would you please just go do what I called you to do? I'm like, God, no, you, I called you. I called you. You're the one that I've anointed and I picked. So anyhow, in, in my 16th year, I'm in this tire, tire thing, and I, I know that God has called me, and I said, just on my heart, I said, Father, and again, for those of you that are in this I'm sorry, but I'm going to do just this little review. But I said, Father, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to say, I'll do. You know, I'll say what you want me to say, I'll go where you want me to go, I'll do what you want me to do, but don't call me to be a missionary. <laughs> I don't ever want to be a missionary. Now, why did I say that? I don't know. But apparently, because I felt in my heart that that was the way the Lord was leading me, because, you know, I grew up watching, and some of you guys may know this, Ninja Corn Hall's Wild Kingdom. Marlon Perkins, who, who knows Marlon yeah, Perkins? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. And National Geographic, which was porn when I was growing up. Don't watch National Geographic. There's an eight people on there, really. Um, but I was just, I was, you know, drawn to people of other cultures and other nations. And and I always, but you know, I was a sickly child and we were bored. And, and I'm thinking, don't ever call me to be a missionary because in my heart, I thought I'll never be able to do that. So please don't call me to do something. <laughs> But you know what? Um, I didn't realize at the time that that's exactly what God was calling me to. <clears throat> oh, life and missions. And you know, the name missionary um, paints a different picture. And they actually, there's different types of missions. There's home missions, and then there's foreign missions. And there's different types of missionaries. There's, mission, there's itinerant missionaries who go for a short time and, and then come back and live their life and then go, you know. And then there's full-time missionaries who live on the field, and I've been both. And um, so, biblically, missionary simply means sent one. Where you know, Jesus said to his disciples, "As my Father has sent me, so send I you." And so, again, uh, missionary just means sent one because missionary and apostle, apostle, word apostle actually means sent one, and. Um, Missionary and apostles interchange. Okay, so God has sent me to different places in the world, and then I returned. You know, and so now I knew when I went down there that God was calling me to go back to Guatemala, which is actually where I started. Twenty-eight years ago, I started again on the west coast, and now I'm in the tent. So it's kind of like we come full circle. And I lived there for a year, and now God's saying, I want you to go back to him. You know, and then again, last time I was here, I just was real quick before I get into this. <clears throat> I went down for a month. I thought I was just going to go for a month. And um, after the third day, I, I realized I was saying things like, you know, we need to do this, and we need to do that. And this would really help our hospital. And I realized all of a sudden, the pronouns that I was using, I was owning it. And of course, being a missionary, I'm talking to their discipline. They're not saying anything. 
You know, because the husband, he's like, oh, this is our new missionary. She's coming down here to live. And I'm like, I'm here a month. What are you talking about? Well, he knew. Well, of course, too, that she was like polite from the same thing. Jen's not polite. He just says it. He's like my brother. But um, so, in me, it was only three days that I'm hearing myself say this. And I just stopped and I looked at the Lord and said, she's a missionary. And she said, you're coming back, aren't you? And I said, I'll get back to you on that. I'm going to go back to the apartment that I'm staying in here in the hotel, and I'm going to talk to God. Because my answer is no. I told you I'm not living on the field anymore. I will go and come back. I'll be itinerant because I'm not going. You know what happened last time I lived on the field? It didn't end well. And I realized it's because I was in the wrong place. Right calling, living there, wrong place. How many of you guys have ever known you got you knew that God was moving on you. You knew what He wanted you to do, but you didn't have a detail worked out, and then you get ahead of God. Oh, yeah. And God's like, "Whoa, yeah. come on!" Right, the, you know, like right process, right thing, but wrong destination. Let's get you back on track here. We can get you to the right destination. And I don't know why I'm specific, but also people, it's not about the destination; it's about joy in the journey. It's kind of like you know, somebody else I know says that. Another woman minister says that. But it's true. And God's trying to get that across to me. Yes, we all know where our destination is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many here knows where their destination is? The ultimate destination and pray to Jesus is not that far off. Yes. Um, and I know I was telling, um, I, was, I was talking to my guy in here, and I said, you know, the only reason why I didn't want to live there is because I kept saying, oh, I want to lose. I'm tired of moving. My dad was in the, in the Air Force, and so we moved back and forth to, to different places. And then, I, I mean, like every year, I was moving to some other new house in Grove City, and and then I was like moving across country, Oklahoma, and I was going to Arizona, starting a church with my parents. And I'm like moving to different countries, different states, different. I'm like, Lord, I have nothing to call my own. I I just want roots. Can I just have roots? I want to plant some roots and have some place to call my own. And all of a sudden, as I'm talking to her last night, I didn't even say anything because it's like, why do you want to have Me not say anything? <laughs> but it was like, wait a minute. My home, I am in this world, but I'm not of it. That's right. And just right. like, you know, in Hebrews where it said, because they all sought a heavenly home. They knew that, that they were just passing through this world. And, and how many of some of our greatest fathers of faith, Abraham, he sojourned. Yes. Because he knew he was not of this world. He was just going to go with him. It's okay not to have roots. Because I don't want roots in this world to where when Jesus comes, he can't unplant me. You know, and, and transplant me and relocate me. So it's okay because as. The word of God says, we are rooted and grounded in love. And that's all that is important. And um, so, but I have to say that as I'm writing, because God told me to write this book, I'm thinking, I don't know why I can't get it published, so why am I writing this book? And get it published. It's like, you do what I tell you to do, I don't care yet. Yeah. And so it took me five years because I was like, really not obedient right away. And uh, I've always been a writer. But, you know, my mom says I talk too much. She's like, you're giving to details. Oh, it must be the writer. 
Jane, I like this, okay, condensed. It's hard for a writer to condense. Amen. But, um, so we have a word me to write this book, and I, five years later, I write it, and then I'm, I always edit what I write. So as I'm reading this book to edit it, suddenly I see my life in the pages of this book. You know, like my whole life. I mean, as far as like, and as I'm reading this and I'm seeing where God took me from, how he healed me, and how he put me at, he called me as a missionary, and then I'm telling about these missionary journeys that I've been on, and I'm seeing the miracles, I mean, even times when God literally sent angels yes. to deliver me, and basically he was showing me in, in, in the vernacular of today, my daughter, I've got your back. And there's nothing greater than to know that your Heavenly Father and all of the hosts of heaven have your back. You can go where there's more torn areas. You can go where where the drug cartel or killing people outside the front gates of the hospital where you're working and not have any fear because you know I have angelic hosts. And if God needs to, he'll send the angels. And, and even though I can't see them, I know that they're with me. And so... A lot of people have asked me, aren't you afraid? Nope. Because if you read the book and you see what God's delivered me from, I'm like, been there, done that, that. Praise God, He delivered me from that. Yes. So, yes, I've had challenges. When I made the commitment to go back and live in the Paten, you know, because uh, I was sitting there that day and I was talking to God, and I actually just wasn't talking to God. I was just sitting there. Because I'm like, what do I say? I already know. And finally I said, okay, okay. I know you want me to come back here and live. And I'm willing. And I'll be obedient. And eventually I'll be happy about it. Wow. Third day I was there. But then all of a sudden, the flesh takes it. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, but God. What about the desires of my heart? You know, to have roots, to have a house, to have a husband, to have all this, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he said, missions is the desire of your heart. And I started crying. And I said, you know what, God, it is. I've been wrong with you for three years. I was like, I've been wrong with you for three years. Now I'm not just going to continue to get back. I felt like a fish out of water. I didn't have a place in this world because I wasn't where I was supposed to be. <clears throat> and so, when I said, God, what about the desires of my heart? And he said, and she's just desire of your heart. I said, you know what? And you know what? In my head, I'm thinking, but, and before I ever even thought the whole thing out or definitely didn't get it out of my mouth, I said, and that's for the other, and for the Praise Jesus. So I know it's coming. And Pastor Candy, 2019 is it. <coughs> 2019 is our year. And, Here's the thing. You know, we all say, oh, this year I'm going to do this new. Remember what the definition of insanity is? Yeah, I know it. <laughs> I know you do that, I'm supposed to say it. Uh, no, I was just. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Oh. So if we want different results, results, exalts. I don't know what that is. If we want different results, we have to do 
things differently. Whoa. So get out of the rut and let's do things differently. And I was saving this to the very end, but I, because of what um, Tip said and Pastor Andy about new things, okay, new beginnings. I was in the tent, I was, it was the, the Wednesday night before I was to leave that Monday morning. No, I'm sorry, it was the Sunday night. And the next morning, I was flying back here to Ohio to spend Christmas with my mom. And they were having a Sunday morning, because I, you know where I go to church in the tent? Portsmouth, Ohio. Because... Like I said, their churches are in competition with one another. They're, they're, there's idolatry in them. They put people in bondage. They're not setting people free in the tent. They're putting them in bondage. And they're stealing each other's sheep and all this different stuff. And I thought, and I've been hearing, because you know, you don't have to go to church to hear the church, because they speak on bullhorns and they're all, you know, there's a church on the other corner. So I can hear, and they have church like four nights a week for four hours. Sweet. Like, you don't have that much to say. It's all wrong name. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, 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 and I'll hear things where they're saying, like, la 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 de Dios, la 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 de Dios, which means the Word of God. And I'm like, just say it. Okay, you talk about the Word of God, but you're not preaching the Word of God. Sorry. Quit talking about preaching the Word of God. And quit talking about how the Word of God will set you free and preach the Word of God to set these people free. Come on now. Yes. And so, anyhow, I'm like, I'm not going there because I need to protect my spirit. I don't need to be put in bondage. I need to be set free, and I need, I'm set there to help these people be set free. So I'm not going to go to some church and be put in bondage and allow garbage into my spirit. So I'm not going to church here. I need to protect my spirit. So I go to online church, and I get to watch live on Facebook. I get to be a part of my mom and stepdad's church. Because remember, my dad moved to And so I, I'm sitting here listening to this, and it's Sunday morning, they're like, okay, tonight's going to be a different night. We're all going to be participating in tonight's service. I want you all, just like the Word of God says, come having a hymn and song, a spiritual song. And if, you, if the Lord lays a scripture on your heart, you know, get that, get the test, whatever it is, we're going to do this together. And then they look into the camera and they said, and those of you that are watching online, which basically is just, my aunt and myself, and maybe one other person. <laughs> and they're like, and those of you watching online, if you have something to text it to us and let us know. So it's like, I don't know, 6.30, um, in a high time, and my mom texts me and says, sis, don't you have anything? And I'm like, I'm still praying about it. Okay, so but I'll let you know before the service starts, I will text it back to you. So all of a sudden, the Lord gave me Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Turn to there, real quick, please. Um, okay, on this side, turn to um, Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, and I want this side over here, to turn to Numbers 23, 19. Because when I got the one verse, this one went with it, okay? So Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, and here, Numbers 23, 19. Okay, good, good. So, anybody over here yet have Isaiah 43? There we go. Oh, okay. Alright, so, somebody has a loud voice, stand up and read Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, please. And if you're good, just somebody has a loud voice. Okay. 
And yes, she's given up a lot. And yes, there's challenges. And yes, things are coming against her. And, and, and yes, she's doing a great work and, and all that. And so the Lord was saying, you know, the price is not greater than God's grace. And I said, you know, that's a great word, Lord, but you know me. I need scripture on it. I need examples. Show me in the word. Not from this word from Ohio, but show me. And so, um, to, to save time, I've got these down, and I'm going to read the first two from the NIV, the Mary uh, inspired version. Yes. But sometimes the NIV really helps bring what we're talking about. Um, so, second, you can just write this down, read it when you get home, make sure that it wasn't going to leave you astray. But, second Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 10. Even if I should choose to boast, this is Paul talking to the church at Corinth. The believers actually at Corinth. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. If anybody had reason to boast about his walk with Christ, it would be Paul. Yes. Um, but I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassing great revelations. Because Paul had some amazing revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was giving a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. And I'm going to stop right here because many, many churches and many believers believe that Paul's thorn in the flesh was given to him by God, and it was some horrible oriental eye disease. But I'm like, people, 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 please read the Bible. Okay? I mean, it flat out says what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. And... Who gave it to them? Let's read it again real quick. Just so there's no mistake. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in the flesh. What was that thorn in the flesh? A messenger of Satan. That was his thorn in the flesh. Who gave it to him? Hello, Satan. To torment me. Didn't say anything about a disease. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. He knew who gave it to him, and he also knew who could take it away. Okay? Um, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, this is Paul now saying, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulty. I wonder, did that say anywhere about acquiring eye disease or sickness or, or anything like that? No. It's persecution for the Lord's sake. In other scriptures, it says persecution for the Lord's, uh, for the Lord's sake. You are my disciples. I'm persecuted. Guess what? Congratulations, you're going to be persecuted too. Just expect it. It's going to happen. They hate me. They're going to hate you. But be of good cheer because I've overcome them. And so because I have, and you're in me, and I'm in you, you've overcome them too. But you're, you're going to be persecuted. Glory in that because hallelujah, I'm being persecuted for the Lord's sake. Okay? So I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties for when I am weak. Then am I strong. When I am weak in myself, is this what he's saying? Then I am weak. Then I'm strong in God. Yes. And in Romans 8 35, 39, also here 
hatred and envy. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardships or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Because everybody knows Paul experienced all of the above. As it is written, for your sake, we think. You know, in, in one of the scriptures says we are we are killed daily. Okay, well, you can't be killed daily because once you're killed, you're killed. Okay. But actually, the, the correct um, translation of that is, for your sake, we face death all day long. We're constantly facing death. For, uh, for our, or we are considered as sheep. We are considered as sheep to the slaughter. Yes. Okay? It's kind of like, um, yea, going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. For um, the devil walks around as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Okay? Um, again, you know, us writers and us English majors, we, we pay attention to certain words. And uh, I'm sorry, I'm learning Spanish, so sometimes my English gets forgotten. And punctuation, thank you, that's very important. Um, we pay attention to that because it can change everything. Okay, so Paul used to be, at the time growing up, Paul used to be, besides Jesus, he was my favorite Bible person. My favorite example. And then as I got older and went into missions, I started studying the life of Paul and I said, I don't want to be Paul anymore. <laughs> Because Paul's like, oh, I was beaten once, you know, saved, you know, three times saved once, and you know, and I was shipwrecked, and I was left for dead, and I was this, and I was that, and I'm thinking, I don't want to be Paul. But I wanted to, I wanted to have Paul's results. I wanted to have Paul's boldness. I wanted to go boldly where no man has gone before. You know, with fear, not with fear, but with boldness, with no fear. And say, whatever, I'm going more. Whatever you tell me to do, I'm going, I want to be like Paul. And then I'm thinking, but in doing that, he did this and did that. And I'm thinking, okay, I don't want to be Paul. I just want to be whatever you ask me to do. And yet, if you read the book, you'll find that I actually did face some of those things, only in the current. You know, it wasn't shipwrecked because I, I don't travel by ship. <laughs> and I, I travel by plane. Praise God, I haven't been plane uh, wrecked. But and, you know, they stuck in a car, tarmac, like change on uh, an engine or a tire or something, and gone. But anyhow, it's like, I bet you will find out that I endured other things. And I almost died many times. But God was there and saved me. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm whatever. I want to fall. And you know what? I, I'm honored. I'm actually honored. But Paul is not the only example. <clears throat> okay, I have to get um, Paul is not the only example that God has for us in his word. Um, Daniel 3. <clears throat> Daniel 3 and verse 12. Starting, I should say, to verse 12. Um, to the, to the end of the chapter, start with verse 12 and read to the end of the chapter. And again, I'm not going to waste the time to read over that, but read when you get home. We know about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yes. Okay, three Hebrew children. 
and they were living under uh, King Nebuchadnezzar's time, and you know, he built the statue, and he made the decree. When you see the statue, when you hear the trumpet, you've got to bow down and worship the statue, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that was against their beliefs. They were to worship no other God before. They're their God, and so they didn't do it. And they knew what the penalty was. And so, you know, people go and tattle on them, and tell the king, and the king gets angry, and he calls him and he said, did you not? Okay, I'm going to give you one more chance. When you hear this, if you'll bow down, okay. And they're bold, and they said, okay, we have no reason to answer you in this matter. Our God is the only true God, and we will not bow down and worship you. And the king said, what is your God able to save you? Well, we believe our God is able to save us. But nevertheless, even if he can't, we will not bow down and worship. They were willing to be thrown in the fiery furnace. And guess what? They were. And, and, and the king was so mad, he said, let's crank it up seven times. Yes. Hotter. And the people that actually threw them in were killed, overcome by the heat. And so he's, you know, the king is watching. He's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Didn't we throw three people in there bound? Yes. But there's four in there, and they're all walking around, and the fourth one looks like the Son of God. Well, have King, have King Nebuchadnezzar ever seen the Son of God before? But he knew. When he saw that figure, he knew it was something holy. It was something holy. And so he's like, get him out of there. And when they came out, we all know the story, but they didn't even smell like smoke. But that which bound them was burning. Praise God. They were when they were thrown in that furnace, they were set free from that which bound them. Praise they God. didn't even smell like smoke and the, and the hair wasn't even singed. Okay, that's a miracle. Yes. But they didn't die that Jesus was in the fire with them. How many of you guys have ever known that you walked through the fire and you knew Jesus was with you? And because you know Jesus was with you, you just you make it through the other side. Whether we walk through the fire or through the flood, we'll not be burned, we'll not, the waters will not overtake us because God is with us. Amen. Emmanuel, God is with us. Praise God. We're celebrating God with us this, this year. But here's the thing they were willing to die in obedience to the Lord. But they believed in Him. It's like, even if He can't, I'm going to Then there's Daniel the lion's den. Okay? We all know that story. He wouldn't do it, knowing that he was going to be cast into the lion's den. It was actually the lions who drew back and feared Daniel, not Daniel fearing the lions. Wow. And he actually laid down and slept on her, you know, big fuzzy clothes and stayed warm and, and all that. But the king actually was like, oh, Daniel. Oh, Daniel. He did a sleep in the night. Daniel slept. But the king had a sleep in the night. Oh, Daniel. Was your God who you serve able to deliver you? Yes. He's like, okay, with the rock. Well, actually, that just this just came on. When Daniel said, okay, live forever, what was he saying? How's the only way we can live forever? Except Jesus Christ was going to say, you know, leave it, leave on the word Jesus Christ. So Daniel was basically probably like, okay, get saved. <laughs> you know, yes, yes. You know, as the Old Testament saints did. Yes. You know, it was a counter to them for righteousness. Yes. But so anyhow, then we have Joseph. Oh my goodness. What Joseph endured, the persecution that Joseph endured, the price that Joseph paid. But oh my goodness, at the end, 
the grace that God gave Joseph and the elevation that God gave Joseph because he was willing to bow to his desires and needs and willing to pay the price Oh, what was what was given to him as a reward of paying the price. Yes, yes. And then I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna end the example, but there's so many more with Esther. Esther chapter four and verses fourteen through sixteen. And we all know that story. Queen Esther. Okay. The king had a queen, Vashti, who was beautiful, and he gets drunk at the celebration, and then he tells them the chamber names and, and the thing, go call for the queen because I want to show off her beauty to my friends here. Well, the queen wasn't having anything to do with it. She's like, no, I'm not home. So they got mad, and the king got mad, of course, and then his counselors were saying, you know what, you need to make a decree that if anybody comes in unannounced, they'll die, and anybody who doesn't come when you come will die. And so they made this decree, and then of course we all know about Haman, who got jealous because Mordecai, her cousin, who raised her, my parents did, um, actually overheard two of the king's guards plotting to Hallelujah. <laughs> no problem. They're awake now and paying attention. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. But, um, and so Mordecai tells Esther, you need to tell the king. She tells the king, the king kills the two guards plotting against him, and he wants to, to you know, elevate Mordecai, and, but Haman is elevated. He hates, he's jealous. So, you know, in long story short, we already know, he plots to kill all the Jews, of whom Esther is one of them. And um, so, you know, if you study it out, basically, Esther hadn't had an audience with the king for about a month. When Mordecai goes to her, he goes, there's this decree that all of the Jews, of whom you are, are to be killed. So don't think that just because you're married to the king that that's going to save you. You and all your people are going to die. <clears throat> and so she calls for a fast and all this different stuff. And Mordecai looks at her in verse 14 of Esther 4 and says, For if you remain silent at this time, Relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. God will deliver his people. Mordecai knew that. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to this position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, go gather together all the Jews and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Once again, a servant of God was willing to die for the cause, to be obedient. And we all know what happened. She didn't die. She had a favor with the king. And so once again, the price was not greater than God's grace. So as I'm studying, in, in closing with this, as, as I'm studying um, about what a missionary is and all that, I'm Googling it, you know, Googling the other title, <clears throat> not. But anyhow, my Google knows, okay? I'm Googling 
I know what the Bible definition of missionary is, but I want to see what Google has to say. What does the world say missionary is? And as I'm Googling this, Oswald Chamber. Chambers comes up uh, with a quote from My Almost Forest Highest. Anybody ever read that book? I didn't. I mean, I know who he is, and I've heard about this book, and I've read bits and pieces, but I never actually got the book and read it. But when I saw this, I knew it was from God. Because going back to that lunch meeting with the missionary, and she's basically saying all the price that she's paid and all this different stuff. And when I got back to my apartment and I'm finishing packing because I'm leaving early the next morning, the devil comes in. And begins to say, Yeah, look at you. You gave up everything. You don't have a house. You don't have a home. All you ever wanted as a kid is to get married and have kids. And now you can't have kids. And you know, you have your you're getting ready to turn 56 and you're still not married because you're traveling all over the world and making trouble, but that's my excuse. Like, this must be where I'm because they can't find me. <laughs> Google, where in the world is Joe Lombardi? Um, but I mean, he's coming in and he's like, you know, you don't have anything to put all the money and you gave up this and you gave up that. And, and I'm thinking, you know, he's letting me see what the price that I pay is. He's putting the price in front of me. And all of a sudden, within my spirit arose, get thee behind me, Satan. That's right, that's right. I where did that come from? You know what he shut up? He left. Good. And and I said, I am blessed. I am able to do things that nobody else is able to do because I don't have kids and I don't have uh but it would be nice to find a husband who has the same passion as me and is you know, babe, try to keep up with you. Um, or him saying to me, hey, babe, try to keep up with me. You know, I'm going to be cool. I need another time with God. And so when things get rough, and I'm telling you things are rough and challenging, and I have been, <coughs> I've been challenged and stretched beyond what I thought was possible since I've been in the tent. I'm doing things I never did before, and some I haven't done in 12 years, and I'm being called upon to do things that I'm thinking, I can't do that. And then the next thing I know, it's the end of the day, I'm thinking, oh, we did that. How did we do that? Um, but it's, it's, I mean, and I'm exhausted, and there, like I said, there's challenges, and it's not easy. And yes, there's murders all around me, and the drug cartel is taking over, and, and I'm like, oh, no, you don't. We are taking the pretend for Christ. This used to be Mayan territory. This used to be Satan's kingdom. But it's coming down. We're taking it for Christ. And the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ is just breaking the darkness. And breaking chains all over all over the Baton. How many of you guys know that the devil's not going to go, oh, okay. No, he's fighting us and kicking them all away. Yes. But he's defeated. See, he's defeated. He's a loser. But he's not a quitter. And so many times we as Christians are winners, but we're quitters. Oh, no. We need to have the, the tenacity of the devil and say, I'm not quitting, and realize I already win. It's like a fire going into a ring, and I'm like, you know, I may have to 
throw a few punches. I may have to use the word of God against the devil now and then. But I've already won this fight. It's, it's rigged, okay, people? Our fight is rigged. We win. But we have to go, we have to walk it out. Walk it through. And I'm telling you, the, the Lord is, is working with me over and over and over again. The price is not greater than his glory. You may think that you're going through something, and it's difficult. And yes, it's difficult. But you know what? We're more than a conqueror. We're more than conquerors. We're overcomers in this life. Because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. All we have to do, we don't have to be concerned about our ability, just our availability. Are you willing to say yes to what God's asking you to do? And are you willing to pay the price? Because Jesus already did it. The price that the devil tries to say is, oh, you can't do that. You can't afford that. Yes, you can. Because the grace far God gives us the grace to do it. And the ability to do it. And the next thing we know, we're through it, we did it, and we're like, wow, how did that happen? And then they're like, wow, what blessings are in store for us? Yes. In 2019, I'm telling you, God's going to ask some people here to do some things that you're going to say, I can't do that. You're right, you can't, but you maybe can. So let's go. And all we need to do is be obedient and say, hey, you believe, I will follow. And I'll try to keep up with it. The worst thing we can do is get ahead of God. So when God puts something in your spirit, and I know he's, it has to some of you, he's laid some things in your life, oh my goodness, I can do this, and then we're trying to figure it out. Yes. And then sometimes we try to figure it out, and we get ahead of God, and we're like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yes, you're going to do this, but that's not how I'm going to make you do it. Just, just, just keep up with me. God's calling some of you out to do some things, and you don't know how you're going to do it. Just say yes, Lord. You show me, you lead me, I will follow. And wow, all I can say is, once again, the price is never greater than God's grace. Amen? Amen. Hey, I have a question. Yes, ma'am. The picture that you sent with the gentleman who had that nasty foot. Yes. What happened to him? We do not know. Because that was nasty. Yes. We do not know. Um, because he didn't follow the directions, he didn't do what we um, what needed to be done out of fear. Um, and his mom kept saying, "Well, we don't have the money, we don't have the money." And, and some people misunderstood that and thought that that the reason why he didn't get help was because he didn't have any money. And I'm like, wait a minute, Hospital Shalom is all about was built to minister to the needs of people who couldn't afford to pay. We have done things free for people. If you come to Hospital Shalom and you're able to pay, but you pay a, a small price compared to the general hospital, which is government-run, and don't get me started on that. People don't go there because they know, please don't send me to hospital to the general hospital because I'll die there. They don't care. Some of our patients have come to us and said, I was at the hospital, and because we're like, hey, you got an ID in you. Were you at the general hospital? Yes. Okay, then why are you here? Because they basically told me just to go home and die. They don't care. They're getting paid whether they work or not, and they're doing whatever, and, and you know, it's like, these people aren't 
things, so why do I need to actually work? I'm going to get paid whatever you want. That's been on my problem. Trust me, I've been here, there, and everywhere, and I've seen government run medicine, healthcare, I've seen socialized medicine. It is not all that it's created to be, it's horrible. So that is one reason why Hospital Shalom was built, is to reach the people. I mean, you can't preach the gospel to get somebody saved if they're dying. You gotta keep them alive long enough to hear the gospel, receive Jesus, and be healed, okay? Because faith comes by hearing. Okay, but some of these people come to the end of the hallway, and I'll give them the Many times they come to us, they waited too late. And only a miracle of God is gonna save them. And many times God does save them. Um, and sometimes he doesn't. Um, I believe in healing and all the time. But I don't know what that person is saying or believing or what's going on in their life, so I can't judge God by them. I can't judge God's healing power all the time by what somebody else is doing. I'm not going to measure my God by a human being. Wow. His word says he heals all the time. Um, and, and I believe that. Because show me one place in the Bible where Jesus did it. Everybody that came to him and asked him to be healed, he healed them. Only one time did, does the word of God say, and he could there do no mighty, mighty miracles except heal a few minor illnesses. And it doesn't stop there. It actually tells you why. It didn't say Jesus wouldn't. In his hometown, Jesus wouldn't heal. He couldn't do, he wouldn't do any major miracles in his hometown. No, it says he couldn't. Because of their unbelief. That's the only time that it says Jesus couldn't heal somebody. It's because of their unbelief. That anybody who went to Jesus and asked them to be healed, even if they had the faith of a great mustard seed, he healed them. Every funeral Jesus ever come into contact with, he busted. Because he said, I am coming in my hot body to have no So if some of you out there are believing for healings, don't give up. Um, <laughs> our God is a God of miracles. He is a, the healer. And the healer is in the house. In this house. In this house. In your house. If you're born again, you carry the Holy Spirit inside of you, the healer is in your house. Whoa. Just look to the healer. Whoa. Just look to the healer. Answer your question. I just wanted to go back. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was the uh, so, yeah, he, uh, they actually got into fear um, because they're, they were thinking that, you know, he's going to lose his leg. And he was going to lose his leg. But he didn't want to go through that. He didn't want to go through life without a leg, even though we actually do prosthetics and everything else and teach them how to live again with a prosthetic and give them their life back. He was a young man who had a life behind him. He didn't and so they just walked away. So apparently he'd rather die than to go through that. And we didn't, we weren't there long enough to teach him about faith and healing and all that either. So we don't know. But God knows. Because we pray for him often and believe that somebody gets to him and he can receive. Or at least I know he's a Christian. If he does decide to go home, he's home. Amen. So, Hallelujah. Thank you once again for 
giving me your attention and inviting me back and, and praise God. And thank you for your prayers. I covet your prayers. I really do. I really covet your prayers. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we're definitely going to pray for her before we go. And as you, some of you might not know this, um, we have in our pews little envelopes, white envelopes. And if you mark missions, our missions goes directly to her. And so if you would like to give today, um, please, you know, put your name and um, mark missions so that you can bless her this morning as she's about to go back. And so we want to do that. But um, as I just want to thank you again for your message and um, just something that even echoed with me. That I, I was I was just sitting back there and I I just felt it in my heart. But um, I really do believe that this is a new year. And I I think you know every, we I hate to say it, it's kind of the same message every year. If you go to most churches, it's like this is a new year. This is a new year. Um, or we we you know in all of our human life, we're like this is going to be a different year. But I really believe that it is true. I I really do. And um, and I was sitting there and I just kept thinking about the verse where it says He will restore what the locusts have eaten. And I, and I kept thinking, I went, Lord, this is not just a new year. I think that this is a year of restoration um, for many of us and for things that have been disappointing, things that have been hard. And um, because I was sitting back there and I thought, you know, the enemy doesn't just come to steal our joy. He comes to steal our belief. And really, when he steals your belief, he steals your hope. He steals every single thing. And, um, and, and it's just kind of like when you feel like the enemy is so loud, you can't hear how God can bring any victory, but this is the year of victory, and in the and then it's truly in the darkest moments, light still shines. That's when the light shines its brightest, and that's why I love Isaiah nine, where it says that those who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and um, and it is really in that dark moment. And so I want to end just even echoing with this real quick. Um, I think you know all of us. I think we all have our testimony of life being hard at different moments of our life, things that have been too heavy for us to carry in our life. And um, whether it, it, and it, it might look different for every single thing. If you could, like, put in your hands right now the boulder of something that has been heavy, you know, in your life, whether it's just um, heartache, whether it's been brokenness, whether it's been rejection, um, there's, I think every single person has a testimony of something, of something, even what I call hope deferred. The Bible says a hope deferred makes the heart sick. And I think sometimes we have all had our hearts sick with something that we thought would happen that didn't happen or, you know, um, something that was broken that we never wanted to be broken or like, you know, I understand something that we wanted to come to pass that never came to pass. And, um, and I, I was thinking about my own things and I, and I went, Lord, I'm so tired. I'm so weary. And, um, and I heard the Lord say, finally. And I remember and I thought, well, that didn't. What that wasn't what I wanted. <laughs> I was like, finally, you know, like you know, and um, and I realized that I think for all of us, we try to control so much so that something stays alive, when really sometimes a thing has to come to an end for something new to begin, and um, and so I realized what I was trying to manage. I actually spent so much strength trying to make something happen because I wasn't sure that I could trust God with something I couldn't see. And, um, and I think that for all of us, this might be the year that something new begins because we finally give up for what we were trying to keep alive. And, um, and God wants a new beginning for all of us in something. And 
Um, because I, I'll, I'll end with this illustration and, and then I'm not trying to preach on the preaching. Um, but, um, when I was 16 years old, I went to, um, McDonald's because that was the great place to go. And we, we, well, me and my friends, we had a double, uh, two games a day at playing softball. So we thought, of course, the most nutritious lunch that we could have between baseball games is to have McDonald's, which, you know, if you know anything, that was the most Stupidest thing because we were so sick by the next game. But um, so we go there and my grandpa had this Corsica that was like this old car. And I um, and I drove it, you know, a little bit, but it always broke down. I mean, you, you could look at it and it would be just like, I give up, you know. Um, so we're, I, we, I, of course, I decided to drive and decided to have all my other friends leave their car at the ball field. And, um, and so we all get in the car and we're right there in the intersection and my car just dies, gives out. Now I was a, I was a new Christian too. And I believed I could speak to anything and it would just happen. And, and there was a lot of times it did. I mean, just to be honest with you. So if you can imagine me in the middle of an intersection, speak it like with cars looking at me and here I am a 17, 16 year old self going, start, you know, I'm speaking to this car, I'm like, start in the name of Jesus, you can start, you know, and I thought this would be a testimony to all my friends and all this stuff that, you know, and these people walking and watching, you know, God's greatness, that he can start this car, you know, and, um, and so all of a sudden, I see police lights behind me, and I'm like, oh, gosh, you know, here's the police, so this man helps me push my car in, and um, he starts my car up, and I sat in my car, and I have to be honest, I was so disappointed, and I said, Lord, you could have done anything. And you could have, you could have spoken it happened. And I heard the Lord said, I brought help, but not the kind that you wanted. And he said, sometimes my ways are better than your ways. And I, and I knew in that moment, it, there would have been a huge miracle. But at the same time, the, the Lord wanted to use somebody next to me to help me. That I also realized that there was a human aspect that God wanted someone to use me so that I could also use myself as an example that I'm called to be his hands and feet to other people as well. And so, um, so in the midst of all that, not only is it a new year, but I believe that we are also the response that God wants to give to somebody else to be hope. And, um, and we speak that hope to one another. And so I pray that we bring that into this new year as well. And so, and sometimes a part of that is us being willing for him to do things in our life that doesn't look the way that we think it would and let him use us in ways that we think he would never use us and be unwilling. Oh, we got books. Okay. If you got, if you have not read this book, you need to get this book. I know. And that's how I found out about you because my mom came in and she was like, tired but bug-eyed she's like you don't even know what I just went through so uh, so yes please please get that book so we're going to pray real quick we want to pray for you and uh, let's close the service and and respond to the Lord Lord we thank you so much for JoLynn we thank you for the calling that you have put on her life and thank you for the blessing that she is to us Lord we ask that you would bless her as she goes so that Father, we just seal the words that she has spoken, but even God, we seal your promises over her. Lord, you said where two or more agree, it must be done when we touch anything. So Father, we just thank you for um, this new year being a true new year for her, for the desires of her heart coming to pass. But Father, we ask that you continue to open up doors for her that she couldn't even imagine. Lord, I ask that you continue to take her places that you never thought, she never thought could even happen. Lord, we just ask that this would be a year from glory to glory, strength to strength. 
And Lord, we just thank you, Lord God, for her ministry, for her calling. We ask, Father, that you would continue to bring people to support her, to be um, support financially, but even those in prayer, Lord God, and even continue to bring divine um, friendships and relationships that she will be blessed by, God. We just ask that there would be an increase, God, of this woman who has said yes to your heart. And Lord, we thank you that you would continue to give her divine wisdom and her calling. Lord God, give her divine wisdom. And Lord, we thank you for even more signs, wonders, and miracles. So Lord, let them increase on the ministry. Um, Lord, that, 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 that land will truly know that Jesus is not just real, but his heart is there and that he's moving in the midst of the people. And truly that revival is coming to that land, God. True revival of the heart and the mind, God, and of the spirit. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. And bless this time for us, God. I just pray that today for any person that needs a touch from you today, God, let us be touched. Let us be changed by you. We thank you that the gospel is good news. It's not heavy. It's not burdensome. It's good news to the oppressed, to those afflicted. And we thank you that you are our hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right.